New York City is the wireless envy of the world. So said John, Jonathan Alstein, former FCC commissioner and CEO of PCI Wireless Infrastructure Association. While many may question the quality of service in New York City, no one could question just how difficult and tough it is to build a wireless and, and fiber network here in New York City. We're going to be talking to President and CEO of O'Kane Electric, Hugh O'Kane Electric here in New York. But first, a couple words from our sponsors, Telecom Careers and Comscope. Comscope, thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Hugh, thank you for joining us on this edition of Inside Telecom Careers. I've been hearing about Ocane Electric for probably 20 years going back to when I was with Advanced Radio Telecom and we were building point-to-multi-point wireless systems across the, actually that was in 1997. In the early 90s, I was with a, a BLEC, building local exchange carrier. We had 100 million square feet nationally, 100 class A office buildings, including a couple here in New York. And we were always having to deal with in-building cabling. So Ocane is a very familiar company. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, tell us a bit about the history of Ocane and, and your business units today. So at our core, we are a basically 70-year-old, uh, third-generation, family-owned and operated New York City electrical and telecommunications contractor. That's, that's the wide-angle lens of what right. we do. But specifically what we do are two very distinct sectors of the New York City construction market. We do, on one side, infrastructure electrical work. You know, we build large power systems, cogeneration power systems, medium voltage systems. And on the other side, we are one of the leading uh, installers of fiber optic communications here in the city. As I always like to say, we are the phone company for everybody that's not the phone company. We've built on both a CapEx and an OpEx uh, construction point of view for almost every CLEC here in New York City dating back to I think the first job that our fathers did was in 1986 for what was known as teleport back then. Sure. That was with Metropolitan Fiber Systems. Those were, that was our second customer. Yeah. So, you know, Teleport, which is now AT&T, and MFS, which is now Verizon, were two of our original customers back then, and they're still two of our larger customers today. Walk us through maybe how the business has evolved since 2000, where we are today in 2015. I think after the telecom bubble burst, right around 2000, you saw a big contraction in the industry. All of these companies that were out there with all their Wall Street money and no real customers mm -hmm. kind of evaporated. And what you were left with was a lot of the traditional companies, the AT&Ts, you know, Verizon Business, which is what got spun out of MCI and WorldCom. You always had that. And then you had companies like Light Tower coming onto the scene. Yeah. And you had companies, um, you still have the level threes and, you know, the, 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 the time warners and people like that, that, you know, were basically the last ones left standing and nobody really did a lot for a long time. You know, one company gobbled up another company. To 2010, would you say long Maybe ago? not that long, but it was probably 2000 to 2007, 2008. 
Um, you know, AT&T was purchased by SBC. It's still known as AT&T, but you, know, you have one company gobbling up another company because you have all of this infrastructure assets left here in New York City, but nobody was really spending capital dollars to, to, to build new, basically they were just maintaining. And all of a sudden you started to see these CLEC start to really spend CapEx dollars again. Not just you know, the major players, the AT&Ts and the Verizons and the light towers, but you had smaller companies popping up. And the biggest evolution we've seen probably in the last six to eight years has been companies building you know, local network services to support wireless. And, that, and that's what it is today. It's, it's basically everything we do is it's all a large part of commercial infrastructure, you know, the LNS stuff. But also you've got everybody wiring up buildings to support DAS, to support Wi-Fi, to support cellular networks. Well, I was talking to um, Ray Lachance earlier today, and he was telling me about all the work you did, the, the big DAS systems here. Maybe talk a little bit about some of those projects that you were doing. So probably about seven years ago, we started a project for a company that at the time was called Next G Communications. It was a California company that built large outside DAS networks to support basically uh, mobile carriers. In, in this case, it was for, I believe, Metro PCS. Right. Um, and the idea seemed to spring out of California where everybody lives in valleys that, doesn't, that don't get cell reception. And the same geographical problems they face out west are the same architectural problems we face here in New York City. We have man-made panels in buildings. Mm -hmm. And as anyone that's ever tried to get a cell service in New York City, or worse yet, in a building knows, it's very, it was very difficult to get cell service. So rather than the old macro site technology, it kind of evolved into being more of this, you know, this real DAS program. So we were contracted um, by NextG to build what was, and I believe still is at the time, the largest outdoor DAS network around. Uh, we put up hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable, both underground and aerial, you know, strung between um, Con Ed or Verizon uh, wood poles. We put up something on the order of north of 1,500 antennas mounted on the tops of streetlight poles and Verizon wood poles and Con Ed wood poles, basically to support this, you know, uh, Metro PCS wanted to expand their network, and that's how they were going to do it. And that was the first in the city. And, you know, Following that, a lot of other people have done these large outdoor DAS projects, not to that scale, but they've been all over the city. Right. And now we've seen a lot of indoor DAS and indoor Wi-Fi in buildings because, again, you're not going to move into some very expensive real estate and not have your mobile device work in there. Got it. You mentioned your telecommunications business unit or business segment. And, uh, Terry, if you could maybe pull up that. That graphic uh, that shows from your website that talks about the telecommunications services you offer. Maybe go in a little bit more detail and talk about the, your offering in that telecommunications group. So we are pretty much a soup to nuts telecommunications provider, especially for the carrier market. Um, we can do, you know, we can do the design work. We can do the capital construction work. We can do, you know, we do rod rope in place of fiber optic cable. We'll bring it into buildings. We'll do the vertical riser work within the buildings as well. We can do all of the splicing work. 
Um, we can do, you know, in the customer prems, in the, you know, in the pops. We can do the, the, the carrier hotel work, in the 111 8th Avenue, in the 60 Hudson Street work. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we are the ones that are out there, you know, pulling, you know, as many people have always seen our trucks blocking traffic in the city. <laughs> um, you know, we're the ones that are pulling the cable all throughout New York City, repairing it when these cables inevitably break. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got guys that work 24 hours a day, seven days a week doing, you know, emergency restoration for almost every major select here in New York City, in addition to all of their capital construction campaigns, which again, in the last couple of years have just exploded with the growth of the, the, the greater need for broadband communication, a lot of which goes to support wireless enterprises. And uh, tell us about your, your organization here. Yeah, we were talking a minute ago about uh, it's a union shop. Yep. Right. And uh, but maybe tell us about the, the organization and then does the telecommunications group ever cross over to the electrical work and vice versa? Or are they two yes. And so the thing is, is that we employ, um, say, just shy of about 300, uh, you know, in, in this case, they're local three, which is a division of the IBEW electrician. They're all electricians at their training. They've all come through a five and a half year apprenticeship program. Um, and to become a master. To, be, to become a journeyman electrician. Okay. Got it. So it's a five and a half year apprenticeship program, which they, they get trained in everything, how to wire up a light and an outlet, to how to do you know high voltage electrical work, to how to do fire alarm work in various low voltage applications, and how to do telecommunications work. So they get cross-trained in everything, which is great because look, we are one of many local three electrical contractors here in New York City. We just happen to be one of a very small few that do fiber optic telecommunications work. So they are cross-trained in everything. They are, at their core, they are all electricians. The one And you're a master electrician. I am a master electrician, yes. Um, but the ones that work for us, and probably well over half of our total workforce, they have additional specialty training. Now, if they're the guys that are pulling fiber optics through the streets of New York, they need certain certifications to do that. You have to be what's called confined space certified to work in a manhole. If you're going to operate one of the larger trucks, the rotters, the wheel carriers, you have to have a CDL license. These, these are all just additional check marks on their resumes that, you know, so again, you know, we have the ability to really select the, uh, the men and women that have these specialty trainings. Then you've got all the guys that are trained in fiber optic splicing. And there's, you know, depending on whether it's, you know, single motor, multi-motor, ribbon or whatever, it, 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 it's a real art to learn how to do that and do it right. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trained both through the union and we also spend a lot of our own money and time to train the journeymen to be certified in various applications. Um, yeah, so go back to, you said you had 300 uh, uh, electrician, 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 yes. Um, and they have to go through a five and a half year training program. Yes. Who pays for the training? Is it on your nickel? Is it on the union's nickel? We, pay, we pay them as apprentices as part of their paycheck. But it is the, 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 the local free union, the IBEW, they have, they have to go to school the entire time. They go to training there. It, it's, it's an on the job training program, which you are qualified as an apprentice for the first five and a half years you're in the industry. And then what happens next? And then, and then you have to pass your final test. You become a journeyman, which, which exposes you to be able to do a lot more types of work independently. An apprentice always has to work 
underneath a journey. Yeah. And again, they're an apprentice in every sense of the word. They are apprenticing in the industry. Um, and how about the career path? You go through the apprenticeship, you become a journeyman. What, what comes next? Well, it depends, you know, depending on you know, when you come out of it, you know, if you want it, a lot of, a lot of guys want to specialize in certain things. A lot of people that come to us, we get them because they've got a certain sense of how to do telecommunications work, whether it's what we call street work, which is pulling fiber optic cable, um, or splicing, or in-building work. You kind of work through the, again, the more you can differentiate yourself from the other 10,000 journeymen in Local 3, the more employable you make yourself to a company like ours. Um, the more specialty training you can get, whether it's through a contractor or through the union, it makes you that much more employable because you differentiate yourself. And you have guys that want to stay and they want to be great journeymen. Some of them want to, you know, run work. They become foreman and general foreman. Some of them will actually move over to the project management side. You um, see folks move from the journeyman project management and ultimately into engineering and, and some of the other aspects, or they pretty much stay on the construction side. If they want to stay on the construction side, usually the career path is apprentice, journeyman, foreman, general foreman. That, that's the typical career path there. Um, a lot of the guys that come through the project management side, the field engineers, the draftsmen, those are, um, there's a little bit less of a direct career path there. A lot of it is just guys that have training in, you know, certain types of AutoCAD or that, you know, they, a lot of them, you know, were trained by phone companies to be telecom engineers. Got it. Uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of advice would you give someone who has an interest in becoming an electrician? What would you tell them today? Well, again, it's, you know, the, the, the first step is getting into the apprenticeship training program. Is it hard? I mean, a lot of people apply, how difficult is it? It's, look, I mean, the thing is, is that it's only every couple of years they open up the apprenticeship and it's on, it's on an as needed basis. It's as the industry needs apprentices, they open up the apprenticeship program. But if anybody was interested in doing it, I'd recommend that they get in touch with local union number three out in Queens. And three hardest the best <laughs> union in the world, according to some guys on the street today. I again, it's you know, depending on your point of view, it's I believe they're the best trained electricians in the city to do this type of work. And again, it's not just the telecommunications work, but the electrical work. They are the best trained, safest, most professional way of doing things here in New York. And where are uh, where are we today in terms of uh, open apprenticeship opportunities? Are we in a uh, uh, heavy demand where we need more people? Where, where are we at in the cycle? The, the, the industry right now is quite busy, not just on the telecommunication side, but on the electrical side. Well, the industry is quite busy. We're fortunate to be in a period of building boom here in New York. So when you're hiring, do you, 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 you have any open positions today? And if so, Look, what we, types of people are you looking for? We are in, we have a huge demand now for you know, electricians, again, they have to be, if we're, if we're looking for electricians right now, they're already in the industry. Yeah. Well, we have a great need now for journeymen that are trained in fiber optic splicing. That, those, are, those guys are at a true premium. If you, are, if you have previous training in fiber optic splicing, if you are certified in, you know, confined space and have a CDL license, we have, you know, job openings for you. Again, with the, with, with, with the way the union works, it, it all flows through the employment department. But again, it's that if, if you are a current local three journeyman, 
who's not working for us mm -hmm. and you have certain certifications, we'd love to know about you. Got it. What's the, what's the hardest position to fill? I think you answered my question, but the fiber splicers, the guys who have experience with uh, installing fiber networks, are they the hardest positions to fill? I think when it comes to the individual technician, yes, because again, you have to come with a lot of previous training. And because our segment of the industry is still a pretty small segment of the overall say, local three population here in New York, it's not like everybody has a lot of training in this. And most of them already work for us or our competitors. Um, and so it's not like there's a huge bench of guys out there to bring in. So we have to actively train guys that work for us that maybe don't do fiber optics right now. So we bring in the manufacturers and we hold training courses for these guys to try to expand our work pool internally. Got it. What's the typical day in the life of a there is in-building guy absolutely is a street guy? Well, again, it's that it depends. Are they working? You know, again, a lot of these guys work on service work. You know, we've got, you know, if you were to show up on the street in front of our office in the morning, you'd see dozens of ants. They're getting their work assignments for the day. They, Typically, a lot of the guys work for the same customer day over day, but it could be one, two, three different locations throughout the day doing, you know, ticketed work. Sometimes they're working on large, you know, like capital projects where they have to just keep working their way around the city, putting in 10,000 feet of fiber optic cable, um, you know, depending on whether they report to our New York City office in the morning, our Queens garage in the morning. It's... There really is no typical day because everything, you know, we, we, we put out, we basically, we're basically firing. Our customers have a lot of needs, many of which have to get, you know, addressed today. So we're out there responding to the needs of our customers, not just on a daily basis, often on an hourly basis. And do you do any um, microwave work or an antenna work as well? You're talking about the DAS network and putting uh, antennas up on, on poles. Yep. How much training do your folks get with the, the RF technology? We've, in the past five or six years, we've gotten a lot more. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys that are trained in, you know, RF testing, sweep testing, stuff like that. Um, we've had to look outside to bring in people like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that is obviously a, a critical part of the overall job. And again, we've tried to bring as much of that in-house as possible. Got it. So as you look over the next 18 months as uh, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, are all trying to densify their networks. What's the next 18 months look like for Okane? Look, I, I think it's going to be busy for us. It's going to be busy for our competitors. It's going to be, again, it's that the telecommunications seems to grow, not just month over month, quarter over quarter. Um, but, you know, look, our, our customers are spending more money now than they were a year ago than they were two and three years ago. They're expanding their networks. They're hardening their networks, sometimes in support of commercial customers, but most often in support of the greater wireless world. Right. How about the uh, the, 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 the governor announced a, a big, I think a billion dollar subsidy to, to go into broadband infrastructure. How is that gonna impact at your company in New York City as a whole? At the end of the day, everything trickles down. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that look, anything that's decided on a state governmental level, level is pretty big picture at that point. But eventually, all of that stuff will trickle down to the local carriers mm -hmm. and the local enterprise customers. 
And at the end of the day, it's people like us and you know the other contractors in the city that build these types of networks that have to construct these for the carriers, for the enterprise customers, people like that. Well, final question. We're here in uh, an office building, I think your family's owned since? Since probably the mid 60s. It's a beautiful space. Why, thank you. So tell us a bit about maybe the construction process that went on here and what makes Ocane a great place to work. Uh, well, the construction process here was is that this was simply very inefficiently laid out space. Yeah. We're in an old Tribeca loft building, and so that's the look we went for. We basically gutted it end to end just to create much more open plan floor mm -hmm. space. Yeah. Uh, I'm not very architecturally minded, so I couldn't tell you why one is no, better than the other. It's got the exposed brick, like, it's got the, uh, yeah. the exposed ceiling grid, et cetera, but it seems like a great place to be and work. And uh, Look, I like coming to work here not just because it was the company that my grandfather founded, and, you know, my father and uncle ran for so long, but it's fun. I mean, that's the thing is, is that what I always liked about it is, you know, my dad always came home from work happy. He enjoyed what he did. And for all the years that I've been doing it, I enjoy what I do. It's a challenge every day, but I think you have to love what you do at the end of the day. We're fortunate to be in an industry that's been good to us, and we like working in the industry. Great. Well, Hugh, thanks for your time today. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in to Inside Telecom Careers. Uh, keep your eye out for uh, our man on the street interviews that we did today. We've got some really interesting perspectives on uh, coverage capacity in New York City and, and picking up on some of the comments that Alstein made last week at the New York State Wireless Association about New York City being the wireless envy of the world. We'll look for uh, you tuning in next week. Thank you. Thank you very much. Inside Telecom Careers is a production of RCR TV News. To reach Jeff Mucci or to suggest a show topic for Inside Telecom Careers, you can reach him at jmucci at rcrwireless.com. For all telecom-related news and information, please visit rcrwireless.com. To connect with the industry's top talent, please visit telecomcareers.net.